Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everyone, and happy Halloween. I hope you're all collecting your candy and dressing up and having your little parties or whatever and you're listening to this show because we got a great show tonight we are talking a we are talking unidentified flying objects or uaps i'm old school so it's ufo but anyway uh, my guest tonight jason gleason has some really cool stories to tell and he has several books out on the subject so it's going to be it's going to be a fun fun night my name is charlotte and i will be your host for the next hour i'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal issue, we can get to you. Somebody is available, you know, and if we're not that close to you, we're maybe three or four counties away, so we can get to you. So look us up on Facebook, look us up on YouTube, look us up, look us up everywhere. We're everywhere on the web. And that reminds me, if you are watching from, from YouTube today, there's a little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner. If you click on that little ghost, that will subscribe you to our channel. And our channel's got nearly 450 videos sitting over there. And they're all different topics because I just don't cover paranormal topics. I'm a journalist, photojournalist by trade. So I like to vary things. So you're going to see different stuff. And I think there's something there for everybody, even kids. Even kids, yeah. Okay, uh, if you're watching from Facebook today, be sure to follow. We're looking for followers. Uh, we're building up our following. And Every day is, a is better and better and better and better. If you're listening via RSS feed, please share this with your friends. Because I know, you, I know there's a bunch of you guys out there, so share this with your friends. You guys are really doing well with, with building this up. Okay. And if you're watching from TikTok, we are, I'm going to let you know who, who I am. California Haunts, all lowercase on TikTok. Instagram, I'm Ghosty Gal. Facebook, California Haunts, California Haunts Ghostly Events, or you can look me up, just my name, okay? But anyway, I want to, again, I want to welcome everybody. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and I'm looking forward to interviewing this gentleman. So without further ado, let me bring him in. Hello. Hi. Hi. Sir, tell me about you. Well, UFOlogy is really my thing is, you know, it's my um, discipline, if you call it that. Um, I got into UFOlogy probably when I first had a sighting with my sister when I was seven years old in Liverpool, UK. Um, we were playing in a relative's house upstairs um, quite innocently and um, we both witnessed and saw a silver disc shaped object hovering outside the bedroom window, um, unusual. Um, we'd not seen anything like it before. We'd, you know, UFOs hadn't even come into our reality, our, our own time zone as such by then. Um, we both witnessed it and then it took off at high velocity uh, and went on its merry way. And we just carried on playing as if nothing had happened. Um, and it was only till many years later when I got into UFOlogy you know, into more detail, 2014, you know, in more depth of the research side, 
uh, my sister actually approached me and said, do you remember when we saw that, that UFO outside the window? And, and I'd forgotten, completely gone out of my mind, you know. And, um, yeah, it slowly came back. And she said, you know, do you remember when we saw it and what we saw and unusual, etc." So that was, that was really what pulled me into UFOlogy, got me on, on this, um, you know, journey of high strangeness, as we call it. And I'd start to watch, uh, you know, TV shows on the TV because in the, in the 1970s, when this first sighting happened, you've got to remember UFOlogy, the only things you saw sci-fi were in, in the pictures, you know, you went to the movies, mm-hmm. you, you, probably, you probably had likes of Doctor Who on the TV and stuff like that. And um, I'd started watching Arthur C. Clarke. He had a, a TV show out there, Strange World. You know, he covered all kinds of paranormal, Bigfoot ghosts. You know, you name it, it was on the show, UFO. So I was glued to that every week. And I was always nagging my parents to take me down to the library to get the, the latest books out. You know, uh, the uh, Eric Van Daniken's uh, Chariot of the Gods. And yeah. I, I just had an appetite for books and I went through everything. Um, and I actually call that now, I laugh about it now, but I call it the Richard Dreyfus syndrome. You know, the character out of Close Encounters <laughs> where remember. everybody goes through that. He has that sighting in the movie and then everybody goes through that mad, I want this information, I've got to have that information. You know, and you just go on a mad journey, don't you? You know, looking for stuff. Um, and then obviously going through all those sort of things and then later I joined the Air Force in my older life um, and there was, there was an experience we had at RAF Cosford in the UK which is Birmingham, Wolverhampton area so it's central England you know where we, where it is mm-hmm. uh, and basically the, this camp is it's a training camp for the Air Force so when airmen and you know where when they pass out from their basic training they'll go there and they'll become you know an armorer or communications that you know they'll learn their discipline within the air force you know from that base um and then but on that base there's a large museum as well so in that museum there's probably every single first type of aircraft the air force has had you know first supersonic the first harrier first helicopter you know anything like that and um Part of the duties for all the airmen and et cetera, you know, at the camp was part of gate guard duty. You had to do guard duty and things like that. And in March of 1993, we, I was on the base. So I have a good friend of mine was an orderly corporal in the guard room that evening. Everything was normal. There was a young airman stationed on uh, one of the guard posts of the airfield, which wasn't that far from the guard post. And late in the evening, the radio kicked into life. And it was this young airman screaming down the radio, get the guard commander out to the airfield because something bigs over the airfield. And I don't know what it is. And, you know, obviously he was frightened, um, scared. So the, the guard commander, the RAF police and all the personnel got in their Land Rovers, etc., and got out to the airfield as soon as possible. And when they got there, they all witnessed this huge black triangle-shaped UFO hovering over the airfield. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hovering there for quite a while, and then it took off at high velocity. 
uh, and then went to a near another nearby RAF station, RAF Shawbury, which is about 20 miles away from Cosford, and the on-duty air traffic controller, radar, etc. And the Met Office there, you know, they actually saw an object of similar description. I'm assuming it's the same craft, but you know, we have to say it's sort of. Mm-hmm. And um, it was coming over the airfield there, zigzagging across the airfield and unusual manoeuvres and firing very thin laser pencil uh, lasers down towards the ground. And the impression they got there, the personnel at Shawbury, they thought it was looking for something. That was the impression they got. And then it took off at high velocity. And, um, but throughout the UK that evening, um, it was witnessed or a craft again of similar description was witnessed by on-duty policemen members of the public and then you know so it was all you know quite documented as well with them also the british uh, ministry of defense released the papers a few years back so it's all out there for anybody who wants to look it up you know it did it did happen and then all the reports are there of what the the policemen and the officers etc all put forward so yeah, they, they, really my life has had a lot of ups and downs, strange happenings, unexplained happenings. My family members have had strange things. You know, my father's had man in black experiences. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on in in that respect. And then I started to actually to start analysing pictures and footage basically of what I used to read years ago, many years ago, when I first got into ufology and and the cases that actually uh, interested me and and got me, you know, down this path. Um, And I would just start to analyse them and then I put them onto Facebook and then people would, you know, look at them and give me their opinions, etc. I'd debunk a few along the way and and things like that. And then... um, people would start to contact me more and more saying, can you analyze these images of, you know, this UFO I've seen or this piece of footage? Uh, And it sort of grew from there. And, you know, I've analyzed stuff for people from all over the world. They, they, they approach me, I'll analyze it and put it out there, you know, for them, either give them it back. If they don't want their name forward, bring him forward into the public domain. I won't, you know, keep, you know, the, the privacy for them. But if they want me to post it, I will do, you know, and, and I'll just put it as I found it, you know, my opinions, etc. And that's really where it's gone from. And then the books came from that, you know, through my publisher, Philip Mantle, who's a, a ufologist right. over here in the UK. Really well known. And he's really, you know, been my mentor along the way, you know, bringing out the books he he just approached me one day and said um, you know why don't you write a book um, and I was like well I've never wrote a book before and, and basically helped me along the way of everything how to write and you know get it down to what I did so the first book I actually produced was a book called yeah UFO photo um, that's the oh, book there. there we go yeah there we go yeah that, that's the first book I wrote um, and in that book, there's actually cases, as you can see on the cover, there's the famous Battle of Los Angeles case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the book itself, I actually analysed the original photograph, that, that actual image with the spotlights are on the, the UFO craft. 
Um, and, you know, you can see it's an unusual looking craft. It's not an air, an airplane. It's not a helicopter. It's nothing like that. And you've got to remember at the time when that happened in, in, in the early 40s, America had just come into the Second World War. So they were on high alert. They thought it was either the Japanese or the German Luftwaffe bombing Los Angeles at the time. You know, and, you know, 20 odd thousand people witnessed that object. So, you know, I went down the road of those sort of cases, analysed them, put them into categories so people could see how I analysed them, etc., Mm-hmm. And, and you know went down those roads and then the the second book i wrote um was the the ufology umbrella and that was really going into a, di- a separate part of ufology because ufology is built up and made up of so many different you know categories and segments and I, and I'm really that's why i see it you know ufology umbrellas you know the rain will cascade down and go off in many different directions mm-hmm. of, of ufology you know we're talking about abduction you know uh, sightings craft uh, animal mutilation you know the list goes on and on and on right. so i wanted to actually go into the depths of uh, the categories and you know people mainly know the categories as uh, C1, C2, C3, which is Close Encounters. Um, and one, two was Dr. Hynek. I'm sure your listeners have heard of Dr. Hynek. Mm-hmm. And he actually came out with those two first, you know, categories, which was basically if you have a sighting of UFO or aerial phenomena, you know, that's C1. C2 is where, you know, crop circles, terrain damage, cattle mutilations, you know down that road and then c3 was really a category that came out when uh, the film came out you know close encounters the the spielberg movie mm-hmm. um and dr heineck did actually have um, a cameo role within that movie as well um but that was really a visual you know sighting and it was really to like to do with the movie so it's close encounters of the third kind Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is close encounters of the fourth kind, uh, which is human ab- abduction, because again, ufology is constantly changing. You know, it's it's you know it, it's expanding all the time. It's it's it never stays in one place. I'd say that you know. So that's why the reason for the the categories growing in numbers. You know, from one, two, three, and we got four where people started talking about abductions by ETs, extraterrestrials, you know, down that road, mm-hmm. you know, Betty, Betty and Barney Hill, Travis Walton, people like that, Calvin Parker, Charlie Hickson, you know, so it, people wanted to know it had to come, it had to be pigeonholed into, into a, a category because, you know, humans are like, we like to pigeonhole things, don't we? Um C5 is really what most people talk about now, days as such, where you've got the likes of um, Stephen Greer and other people where they go out and have contact with ETs. So that's, a, you know, an interaction between uh, ETs themselves, you know, backwards and forwards. That mm-hmm. can be either way from the ET to the human or the human to the ET, you know, different ways, you know, in, in, in that respect. Uh, C6 is probably a bit more one we don't like to talk about where um, a UFO or anything related phenomena causes death or injury to a human being. So, 
the only reason I say that is the um, the witnesses that have come forward for the crash retrieval of UFOs, etc. You know, over the past, they've talked about uh, when they've gone on board craft, they've retrieved uh, human body parts, etc. So, uh -huh. you know, there's obviously some sort of foul play going on there. And C7 is probably the most controversial of all, really, um, with everyone talking about hybrids and, you know, that type of thing where, you know, where humans have uh, intercourse with ETs, uh, you know, to produce a hybrid being. So, you know, the, that's one to seven. And that was the second book that was really I wanted people to see a different side of ufology, just like I did, you know, as I've rolled my sleeves up, got in there, and that, and you come up with the, a different side of ufology. And then the third book, uh, UFO Encounters Up Close and Personal, this one is, is different again, because over the years I've been in ufology and I've analysed images and footage for people all over the world, um, that I've actually got to know an awful lot of people within ufology, and I've asked them, you know, how did they get into ufology? I wanted to know what pulled them into this, you know, realm of, you know, strangeness. Um, and, you know, was it a sighting? Was it a, um, an experience or something related to that? And, and I was really humbled because the amount of people that came forward, you know, there's over 50 different people within that book of present day ufology who have actually, you know, taken the time to give me how they got into ufology and how, you know, that they basically, you know, where they are today. So yeah, that, that's about it really. Now I have a question, you know, you, 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 you were seeing things as, as, as a child and throughout your life. Do you think there's any chance that you've been abducted? Yeah, I, I, I do. I have never been regressed or anything like that. And, you know, I've, I've thought about it on and off and then either I've been too busy, you know, to do anything. I have spoken to Mary Rodwell, who does, you know, uh, regressions for people. Um, I, I regard her very highly, you know, in the field. Um, and, yeah, I, I do believe at some point I've had the interactions with, I still see craft now. You know, I can still go outside and see. But then that's not unique just to me. You know, right. a lot of people will approach me and say, oh, I really want to see a UFO. I've never seen a UFO and, you know, it'll never happen to me. And I said, no, that's not true. If, if you go outside, you don't have to be anywhere special. You know, you can be outside in your own garden, your own backyard, etc., cetera, um, or just a private place um, and look up. If you feel open enough in yourself, et cetera, and they feel, you know, you're ready to see a craft or something very similar, mm -hmm. you know, you, you will see something. You know, it's not a unique thing to people. You know, right. you're not special if you do see a craft, et cetera. If you just go out there and look, you know, just like the research, I, I say to people, don't always take what I have wrote or looked up or researched as gospel etc you know get in there and do the research yourself because it's all there you will find things out for yourself and then when you find it out then that becomes your truth then doesn't it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now going back to your sighting when you were in the military years and years before that wasn't there i remember reading about a ufo case over in the uk 
where one had Don't... crashed or something like that. The, you're probably talking about Rendlesham Forest. Yes. Um, yeah, that was in the 1980s. Yeah. Um, and that was basically over it, it, within a woods close to um, REF uh, Woodbridge. And, you know, it was Rendlesham Forest was the, the local woods where the incident really happened. Um, and it was Colonel Holt and, you know, a couple of other personnel. And they, it was over three days, I think, it happens, you know, three separate different sightings over evenings. Um, and it was basically within the wood itself. It was a very famous case because it made the front of newspapers, etc. Mm -hmm. here in the UK. And, and Colonel Holt, who I've had, you know, the pleasure of meeting a few years back in the UK when he came over for a conference, the Outer Limits Conference here in, in the UK. And he gave a great speech on what happened that night and, you know, where he went. He actually had a, a handheld recorder and was like dictating what he'd seen while he was there. You can actually hear it. If you go online, you'll hear the tape live, you know, you know, they saw lights, etc. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a strange case because it just carries on. Something definitely happened. Um, whether it was extraterrestrial, whether it was secret covert downcraft, mm -hmm. there's lots of explanations out there, you know, and it'll always carry on in that respect because it's such a big UK case. You know, Cosford was a big case, you know, with the triangle coming down over the, the right. base and, and being seen. But, you know, throughout the UK, there are an awful lot of UFO hotspots, as we call them. You know, where uh, just like in the States, you have them over there, like the Mount Adams, you know, um, the SETI Ranch, etc., Mount Shasta, you know, and you know, Mexico, Brazil, then all these places are real big hotspots for UFOs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just one of many, many cases, you know, that have been has been really researched into, and it'll it'll never stop being a big case over here, anyway. When you think about, I, I heard you talk about World War II and some of these other wars, uh, you know, the pilots, if I remember the stories right, a lot of the pilots thought that these things that they were seeing were web, were, 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 were like specialized weapons from the other side. Yeah, well, that's it. That, that's what I was saying before with that right. um, famous sighting, you know, uh, the Battle of Los Angeles, it's called, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, 19, early 1940s, and again, this thing come over, over Los Angeles itself. The, you can see the, the actual searchlights on it. You know, it stayed hovering. They fired 20-odd thousand, you know, um, munition, uh, you know, artillery shots at this thing, you know, hit it and everything. It didn't even move. It didn't, you know... Uh, people were actually killed during that um, sighting as well. People had heart attacks and all kinds, you know, with it going. You know, 20,000 people witnessed this thing. But again, like you just said, you know, with them just coming into Second World War, they were only about three months into the actual, you know, coming in yeah, mm -hmm. as the Allies with the British, etc. Um, they thought it was the German Luftwaffe or the Japanese who were about to bomb Los Angeles. So, they, they were they were going to throw everything at this thing, weren't they? Again, and and, and didn't bring it down. Or well, you can kind of think that way, you know, see how they saw that way because the Germans did come up with the first jet. So when this when these things are zipping around, that's your first thought is all oh, the Germans came up with, you know, with yeah with a new craft. 
Well, they 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 um, gave them the nickname Foo Fighters, didn't they? Uh-huh. That that was what they you know they did they didn't know what they were they were like orb shaped objects that would follow the you know the formations of bombers onto bombing runs and then back again and you know and then in the end they sort of got sort of not friendly with them but they became accustomed to them because they knew they would be there but they would never attack they would never you know, they're obviously observing whatever they were you know the the, uh-huh. the bombing aircraft but they did give him that nicknamed Foo Fighters, so. Do you think that the governments, you know, now, now that people are seeing a lot more of these things, do you think that it's that, that uh, they're government-built, or do you think it's, it's something from another world? Um, I think there's an awful lot of secret covert technology out there, mm-hmm. you know, that is um, not being seen yet by the public. Um you know, it probably will do, probably not too far away, I would have thought. Um, I only have to look back. I was part of uh, Desert Storm when I was in the Air Force, the first, you know, uh, attack, you know, uh, uh, war in Iraq, if you call it that. And um, the first time I ever saw the stealth bomber, the F-17 stealth bomber, that was the first time I saw that, which was the early 90s. and again, you know, if, if you saw that aircraft, it's nothing like what we've got. It's triangular, diamond-shaped. It's very unique. It, you know, you think, how does that fly? And it just stands out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. I really do think there's an awful lot of technology out there. I would say, you know, like the triangle-shaped craft, I would say 90% of those sort of a craft are secret covert. Um, and again... They're the perfect cover story for the military, etc. Because if somebody comes forward and says, "I've seen a UFO," just not knowing what the object was, mm-hmm. um, the the government can turn around and say, "Well, you know, we don't know what it was. It was a UFO." So it's the perfect cover story for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe, yeah, there's an awful lot. But then there is the small percentage again, you know, of of craft that we don't know, you know. They're probably multidimensional in, um, you know, origin. Uh, and again, I go back to when I started in UFO. You know, I'm I'm ex Air Force, ex British Aerospace. I used to build the Airbus passenger air, airplane wings. Um, so I was always under the impression everything like this was, if it wasn't nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. it wasn't real. You know, it had to be a real object. Right. But over time within ufology my opinions change so vastly you know you've got to realize that these things are multi-dimensional you know we've got to think outside the box you know they're not what we think are you know nuts and bolts type of a craft you know we there's witnesses that have come forward and i've got images where you know the craft is actually morphing into different shapes it's actually changing shape you know and I do believe it's got an awful lot to do with frequencies as well. You know, it's to do with the frequency. And the way I explain that is if um, people take a photograph and they send it to me and they say, well, when I took the photograph, there was nothing in the photograph. It was just the person or the view or whatever I was taking it off. But when I look back later, there was a UFO in the, in the shot. Well, 
the camera can pick up a different frequency to what the human eye can see. Right. The human eye can only see in a very short field of the, the electromagnetic spectrum, which is you know huge. The human eye is a very, very thin corridor. Outside that corridor, we're talking radio waves and microwaves and infrared, ultraviolet, gamma rays. You know, we can't see those, mm-hmm. you know, but cameras and equipment and things can see that. They're in a different frequency. And that's the way I see UFOs, that they're actually in a stealth type of frequency that we can't see them or certain people can see them. And again, does that come under, you know, like musicians and people who can read music and and, and down that sort of a road where, you know, they're, they're adapted to different frequencies. They can read music. I mean, I can't read music to save my life, but mm-hmm. I know people that can. And, you know, it's amazing the tunes they can come out with. And, you know, and again, it's, it's just a different version of frequency, et cetera. And that's really what we've got to get our heads around with the multi-dimensional craft that we see out there, they're coming through in a different frequency mm-hmm. that they're probably already, you know, in the same plane as us, but on a different frequency. And, and people do say that with multiverses and things. So we definitely got to start thinking outside the box. That's, that's what I'm trying to say there, you know? Well, I can attest to the thing with the stealth fighter and that I live well near a former base. Here in the United, you know, here in the U.S., and the, the base was a repair area, so they would bring those things in at night. Mm-hmm. And when you see them go over at night, because you can't see them, all you see are the lights. Yeah. I mean, you would think if somebody didn't know what they were, that they were UFOs they were watching. Well, it, it is. It that is a UFO, isn't it? Because it's an unidentified flying object. Yeah. Until until it's identified, it's always going to be and unidentified isn't it so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know there are so many different types you know you've got the 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 larger bomber the you know the delta wing bombers right and they just stand out like nothing we've got and you think how does that stay in the air you know and Mm -hmm. and I'm, i'm sure you know there's an awful lot more out there that is actually still under the radar we can't see it you know things like that and um yeah, it's just explanation, isn't it, to it? Absolutely. What is, is, is there a common thread that you see with these sightings? Not really. Um, I, I get approached by a lot of people, obviously, you know, constantly analysing. The, the only sort of a thread I could probably put to it is, um, but it's not really a thread. It's just through the different decades, the different types of UFOs that have been witnessed. So, if you go back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you've got the different shapes of craft. You know, you've got your, obviously the original is going to be your disc-shaped craft, mm-hmm. which is your traditional flying saucer, etc. You know, but then you've got elongated craft. You've got cylindrical, cigar-shaped, which are huge again. You know, circular, oval, square. You've got every sort of shape under the sun. I actually do an awful lot of uh, analysing for a good friend of mine, uh, Peter Slattery in Australia, uh, part of the SETI ranch in Australia, just like James Gilliland is for the SETI ranch near Mount Adams. Um, And the footage they send me of the different shapes of craft and, you know, the orbs and probably more of a now 
more up-to-date sightings that I get are orbs. People seem to be, that is the, the latest, you know, that we're still getting the other shaped objects, but we're getting more of the orbs. And if you look at the footage I've analysed, you know, of those two gentlemen, you know, uh, and all the stuff I've actually analysed for them is on their web pages. If you go on, it's all there free. Anyone can look at them. And it's amazing, some of the, you know, the footage. I think it's eseti.org if you go onto those sites. Um, and you can see the craft coming in from above, different angles, zigzagging across the sky. You know, no conventional aircraft does that. A helicopter might. Um, you know, drones obviously might. You know, larger drones. But then... You know, these craft come in and they're actually, you know, they it's a bright light as such or a group of lights. Um, and then part of, like we were saying before, CE5, which is a communication, a form of communication mm -hmm. with ETs and that, you know, it comes in and it'll do it, it'll power up. We call it powering up. So it goes really, really bright and then it fades off again. And that is a form of communication with that object or craft um but then peter slattery i joke uh, with saying i'm sure he goes to bed with his camera because he goes everywhere with his camera he takes photographs of craft beings especially the beings i've done quite a few for him there i actually did recently did a documentary with him and james and mary rodwell called multi-dimensional I think that's on Amazon Prime and iTunes, etc. Um, and that goes into Pete's life and the sightings and just the, the sheer volume of, uh, you know, objects he, he's photographed and the beings, you know, where he put up a, a motion camera within his house. Mm -hmm. A bit like they do, you know, when people go on the ghost hunting, they'll have a right. motion camera, you know. And he was having sightings within his house. So he set up this motion camera and you can actually see where there's a wall down and there's a grey ET sticking its head around the corner like this and then popping back. Um, and then there was another time where um, he actually, I think I was speaking with him either just before and he said, hang on, and he, he got a photograph. He had footprints going over the roof of where wow. the building he was in went outside as he does he just photographs everything went outside and he caught this uh, gray uh your typical gray with the large um elongated black eyes you know your typical gray right um photograph this gray standing peering above behind the bonnet of his car um it, it's amazing footage and if you actually go on and look at their and what they've got and what they're taking and putting out there. And there's different types of, you know, the Palladian beings that have manifested themselves within this house. You know, they're, they're, they're more of the Nordic type of being, you know, the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed that people speak about. Um, so there's so much out there, really, that, you know, you've only got to look. You, do your research, you can find an awful lot of stuff out. Do you think that... Um that the hybrids are living among us yeah definitely yeah yeah um just to the sheer fact that they're interacting yeah whether it's a learning curve for them or part of the programming or whatever it is i don't know but you know my opinion is they're here to learn they're here to interact and eventually 
there'll be so many of them within the humanity and within the population, it becomes normal, you know, things like that. And then, you know, go back to um, a friend of mine, I can't, the top of my head, I can't remember um, his name, but he was actually in a restaurant um, and he actually would, in his head, if he saw an unusual looking person, in his head, he would actually say to them, do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. So this time, he, it was a female, I think, in, in a queue, uh, waiting to queue up some food in like a canteen. And um, he said, if you're not from here, touch your nose. And this female went like this in front of him. And just put, you know, and then afterwards, he was sat at the table and she came up to the table, not invited or anything. And I can't remember what she actually said to him, something, but it was like off the cuff. It mm -hmm. was like completely what he was saying, you know. So, you know, I really do, like you just said, I do believe that they're interacting, they're within our population and observing, you know. Um, I find it interesting to think that way because, you know, you think about all this, at some point, supposedly, you know, the government's going to tell us the truth about all this. And maybe, you know, my, my thoughts have always been that, that they could be living across the street from us. Mm. And it's all a prep thing. So that when the disclosure does come out, no one's running around tearing their hair out like in the movies because you're already used to these people. That, that, that's it, yeah. But with also with disclosure, I mean, I say this as well to people. They say, oh, when is disclosure going to happen? Uh -huh. You know, when's the big question and et cetera? And I say, well, no, disclosures already happened. It's it's already happened. Mm -hmm. Just to the sheer volume of, you know, in, you know, sightings and cases and, and, you know, stuff we've got out there that is, I believe is genuine, you know, 100% genuine, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so I always say to people, you know, you can't rely are waiting for a government to come forward and give you information when you know they've spent so many years keeping it from you so absolutely um do you think of this like you say with with disclosure that it's already happened but do you think yeah. it's going to happen in, in a really really big way at some point i think yeah yeah i, I do think the government's they've got no option they've got no option because mm -hmm. They've already started doing the drip, I call it a drip feed effect. You know, they're slowly giving you little pieces of information like um, mm -hmm. we've, you know, all of a sudden we've we found life on Mars, we found water, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. It wasn't that long ago that the Pope actually said he would baptize extraterrestrials. You know, why would he say that? You know, it's all little, little tiny things that they're slowly, and you know, I say it's little tiny things, you know, the US government have just released all the Tic Tac uh, footage, you know, and videos and it's all coming out. I mean, I know the videos they've released are really, really poor quality. They, they have got much better in their archives, etc. You know, why release such poor quality? But it's all part of the drip, drip feed effect, you know, getting this stuff out. You know, eventually they'll come out with it on the news and Joe Bloggs next door will just, you know, be blasé about it. You know, mm -hmm. another piece of information. It's just like, 
you know, the, the way it goes. But disclosures definitely already happened. It's just because of the sheer... I mean, I know for the fact that in my personal archive of, you know, images I've done, I've probably got 100,000 plus images of UFOs and different types of things that I've analysed and, you know, some that I've proved that are not UFOs or cases, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still a very small percentage that I believe really is, you know, real. Why do you think there, well, there are certain places that are hot spots and certain places that aren't? That could be just down to geographic, you know. Um, that could be down to ley lines, you know, throughout the the world, the power lines that they have. You know, I actually live on a ley line here in the UK. It's a small village, but it's been a lot of history here. It's got a monastery, and you know, it's it's really really old. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at the hotspots within, you know, the UK, just everywhere in general. The ley lines probably cross over. It's probably got an awful lot to do with it, I would say so. Um, again, could be to do with populations. You know, more people in a certain area will witness something. You know, if they, if they want to be seen, craft want to be seen, you know, like some Brazil or Mexico, mm-hmm. really dense populations, you know. And then they're straightforward. They'll just put it straight on the national TV, what they see. Not like the US, the the British, you know, where they'll keep it to the back and not really show or give the information out. But you're right, Brazil's really been open with it. I remember even as a kid, you know, getting books on the subject and it was all about, you know, these creatures showing up at birthday parties in Brazil. Yeah. 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 But you know, they're very upfront, you know, the French are like that too. You know, uh, the Belgians not long ago, this is uh, not long before the, the Cosford incident, you know, the triangle I was speaking mm-hmm. about before. Mm-hmm. You know, the Belgians had a case it's called, the, you know, they had the triangle shapecraft with their F-16 was following it. And they had camera footage, the same, but they went on national TV with it. You know, so there's only certain nations within the world that don't like to give you the information you know, and and the only thing I say, the likes of the US, where they're not coming forward with this information, you know, to everybody, there's a reason for it because of covert, you know, you know, um, craft and things like that, that they're not out to the public. Do you think, too, that people have, have grown to accept it more? Because, I mean, like with ghost hunting, when I first started ghost hunting 20 odd years ago, People used to like keep it real secret, you know. Oh yeah, I, I think I've got some in my house, and now they're like, oh yeah, I've got some, you know. It's great. Come on in. You can talk to my ghost. You think this is the same thing happened with, with with the UFO thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, all I I say it's all under the same umbrella, you know, paranormal ufology. It's you know, it's very very close knit with the unusual strange happenings that are happening with all these things related. Um, again, I try to go to many conferences and things that I can do, you know, with the time limited restraints that I have. But when I go to them, if I only five years ago, the caliber of person that would go to these conferences, the great people, you know, you talk about sightings, you know, talking about paranormal activity ghosts you know everything you can think of that 
interests us all. You know, it does interest everybody. And you go and you know the sort of person you're going to speak to when you go to them. Um, but it's changed so much over the last few years, you know, probably since the Tic Tac and the Nemeth, you know, vided the, the US government, et cetera, what they brought forward. Right. But the, the caliber of person that has changed going to these conferences now, you know, they're not the old tinfoil hat brigade, as we used to call them, you know. <laughs> you know, you've got solicitors, you've got, you know, bankers, you've got, you know, doctors, people of higher esteem, you know, within job-wise. They would go to these things now. You know, it's completely changed. You know, people are openly talking about, well, I saw this. I remember having this experience, you know, or my, my uncle, uncle Joe gave this story many years ago that he saw a UFO and it's only been within the family. And, you know, so it's more accept, acceptable nowadays with everything else and especially the paranormal in general, you know. When you, when you talk about researching, you know, for your books, how hard is it to find the information? Well, it, it depends if you're looking for a certain type of thing to write about, because, again, like I said before, there's so many different avenues you can go down in ufology, from abduction to mutilations to sightings to craft to beings. You know, you can pick a certain, you know, different topic and you can write a hundred books on that, you know, but then other people will talk about their interactions with nuclear weapons, the, you know, people, what happens when people are taken on board, the messages they're given and they'll write about what they're told. So if it depends what you're writing on the books I've wrote on, I've got to know an awful lot of people. So I've already got an awful lot of information and a wealth of information from people what I need to know, you know, but like Philip Mantle writes books on everything, you know, right the way through, you know, you, Peter Robinson over here writes, he does an awful lot of paranormal ghost, you know, that type of thing, mm -hmm. you know, he'll write about that, but then he'll also write about UFOs and UFOlogy and things and UFO cases. So we're quite lucky within the community because there's a lot of people coming forward or already you know i've got cases out there you know so it's it, it's easier than than it probably was years ago when you hit you had to write a letter to somebody um you know you wait for the correspondence when nowadays you, you've got the internet and everything's pretty instant so yeah i would say it's easier and uh, which case you know you've, you've written the three books which case stands out most in your mind um, in the first book, when I covered over the, the when I covered the case there from, it was an Argentinian pilot who contacted me in 2014, and he uh, he, he didn't want his name brought brought out or put out there. Yeah, it's in that book there. Um, I don't know if you can see on the front cover. There's not one on the front cover, but um, anyway, it was an Argentinian pilot, civilian pilot. He was flying like he does many times um he'd seen ufos before but never had a camera or anything with him on board to to, to re, you know record these things but this time he knew he was going to see ufos again so um he had a, a a mobile phone with him in 2014 it was probably the earlier days of having a camera on your mobile phone it, it was okay but it wasn't brilliant 
and good enough he was flying along and he saw two ufos coming in from his uh, port side his left hand side if you if you anybody wants to watch the video it's on my facebook page ufo only or it's on my youtube channel it's been on numerous tv shows paranormal court on camera i think i'm on the first episode of the second series it's on there japanese tv have had it and everything but um you can see his view from the camera. You can see straight out in front of him. You can see the cockpit. You can see the you know the front windscreen, the propeller going around. You can see that very very clear. There uh, you can see blue sky. You can see the cloud base. He's probably about five ten thousand feet up. And like I said, from his port hands port side two ufos he saw coming in and he was he knew they were going to come right in front of his aircraft and this large elongated craft you know probably uh, cigar shaped as we would say flew buzzed right in front of his aircraft and then it was followed by a smaller craft unusual squarish rectangular shaped and then it went off shot off he carried on flying but was still filming forwards and then to his starboard side, his right-hand side, he could see these two that went into a formation, a figure of eight. Mm -hmm. And then they came back again in a tight formation and then buzzed his aircraft again. And I personally still think to this day it's one of the best pieces of footage wow. out there. I, you know, I, any, anyone wants to go and see it, go and have a look on my base, you know, Facebook page. You know, it's all there. I've analysed it. I've slowed the footage down. You can actually see where I've analysed each craft, you know, and these are hundreds of feet in size. They buzzed, you know, a civilian aircraft, military aircraft. You know, if they did it by accident, they'd only do it once. They wouldn't come back and buzz the aircraft again. Right. And he knew because he'd seen. And it's it's up there. It's def definitely up there with the sightings and, you know, that I believe is, you know, is genuine. Um, do you think these craft can fly uh, interdimensionally, which is why we don't see them all the time? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said before, you, we've got to start thinking outside the box with right. these, this, this craft or these type of craft. They're not nuts and bolts, even though they might be, but they've got the mm -hmm. technology to go interdimensional, you know, in and out. Mm-hmm. Also, where um, people have uh, sent me images of orbs, which are more than, you know, the more modern phenomena of UFOs, if you call it that. Um, when I've actually gone in and analysed the orbs within great detail and used filters and everything, you can see faces and, you know, shapes of beings within the orbs. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe they're a form of transportation for them. It's basically like them looking through a window back into our reality from their reality, you know, a multi-dimensional shift, whatever you want to call it. You know, everything is everyone's opinion. Um, but I've seen things and, you know, you come to your own sort of conclusions as you go along the way. But, yeah, I do believe that's how they travel through dimensions, you know, vast distances, they might not even travel vast distances. They might literally jump from one dimension to another, which is basically 
within our dimension you know it's just over each other they're all multi-dimensions and they're just going through different layers there's, well there's... you know after reading the mojave incident i got to thinking about what i do as a ghost hunter and i got to thinking that maybe we're not hunting for ghosts maybe it's aliens because when you read that book they're able to come through walk through walls and stuff just like a mm -hmm. ghost is and show up as shadows and all this so maybe it may maybe there's a connection there you know between what people seem to think are ghosts and, and, the, and these aliens yeah well you know you say that um yeah i totally believe that you know that it's all under the same everything is under there the ghosts ets you know because of the manifestations that we get you know and the way people have said beings manifest themselves i mean my father um He's an ex-military guy himself, very proud, et cetera. You know, he knows what I do with the UFOlogy. He knows, you know, down those. And one day I was sat down having a beer with him quite innocently. And he came out with the story. He said, when I was young, he said, um, in Liverpool in the 1950s, he said, I was playing in your nan's house, your grandparents. And it was before everybody had TVs, he just had radios in the house, you know, it was before that sort of a time. So mm -hmm. in the evening, the door was locked up for the evening, all nice and safe. And he was running from the living room where my grandparents were into the hallway, like he said he would do all the time, just playing. Right. And he said he ran into the hallway. And as he looked down the longer the, the hallway towards the front door, he said he looked up and he saw... Um, only described as like a man in black, a figure, you know, a very unusual, say man in black, because that's what people uh -huh. talk about, you know, with the abductions and, right. you know, after seeing a UFO and things like that. And he said, as he looked up, this unusual humanoid shaped being manifested itself straight through the front door, which was all locked up for the evening. And it tried to beckon him to follow him up the stairs which was close by, and he said, oh, no, 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 you didn't about turn and ran back into the front room right. and confronted my grandparents, who at the time just said, you'd imagine it, you know, as they do with a lot of kids, they just poo-poo it and say, no, you know, you'd, you must imagine what you saw and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I actually drew, it was in the, the second book, I actually drew um, an illustration of what he described to me and when i showed him he went yeah that, that that's exactly what i saw yeah in that book yeah and again you know it's it's within there and you can see where it manifested through the door and it, it basically he didn't know my my father doesn't know what a man in black is you know he doesn't know the ufology sort of slang term for that type of a thing he just told me what he saw at the time mm -hmm. which was you know unusual quite frightening for him as well well that's the other thing i was going to comment on too you know talking along this line is that this is why i started to wonder not only you know are they walking through walls you know coming out of walls the evps that we get some of them sound like they're mechanical you know it's yeah. like, they're, 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 they're like coming through ripples of water yeah yeah it's like they're, they're, it's coming through a frequency it's coming from their frequency into yeah. ours and yes. it's coming through the different barriers to to get to our our ears what frequency we can hear on 
it's if they're tr- like a radio station trying to tune in, isn't it? Right, right, and that's what makes me wonder about some of some of the stuff. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's ghosts of our loved ones, but some of it I think is alien mm. encounters. I really do, you know, coming through. Yeah, because I mean, they can walk through walls, and they they have the ability for not to be seen too, because they're in that other dimension, so they could be standing around us all the time, and we don't know. Yeah. And you, and you talk about people that have been abducted, you know, people that have come forward. Anyone can read up on these cases, you know, and mm-hmm. most people say the same thing, you know, um, where they were taken and they actually went through a window, a closed window, right. you know, through the glass or through a wall or through up through the ceiling, through the roof, as if it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's very much on par with, paranormal ghosts yeah. you know spirits it's all the same thing mm-hmm. it's all you know outside of the frequency and it's whether you know i've got a friend we're talking about rendlesham forest derek savory uh, he lives not far from the forest itself in rendlesham um and that he goes out there you know and sees all kinds of entities and things very unusual goings on and he said once he saw um, a legion of Romans that actually oh. came past on the road. Yeah. Um, but he said the most unusual thing about this is they had no legs. And I said to him, which he, he, he knew himself anyway, but I said, well, surely they didn't have any legs because they're coming through on their dimension, their realm, when the road was further down. So they did have legs. You just didn't see them because the road is a lot taller today than it was in the Roman era or whatever. And again, it's just a different dimension bleeding through into ours. And they they also say time doesn't exist Mm -hmm. in that respect. So that could have happened yesterday with the Romans and, you know, literally in in conjunction with our world. So, yeah, I think they're very, very, very... Well connected, they're very well. I think so too. Knitted together, yeah. I think so too. Jason, I want to thank you for coming on. It was fantastic. No, thank you. It's been a and pleasure. I really appreciate. It. I'd love to have you on. You know, later on down the line, it was it was really fun. I learned so much from you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, like I said, it's a pleasure. I love doing these shows because you know you can bat around what you know, talk about different opinions within ufology. You know, we've got to remember we've all got different opinions. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody, not everyone's right. That's right. the thing. Right, right, right. All right, sir. Well, thank you and have a nice rest of your Halloween, your evening. And I like again, I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on sometime. Yeah, that'll be brilliant. Yeah, you take care. All right, sir. Thank you. Oh, real quick, real quick how can people find you? Thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah it, if <laughs> people want to contact me, you know, regarding a sighting or just information, etc., they can get me on. My Facebook page, UF only, uh, or just message me. I'm, you know, I'm pretty easy, easily contactable. If they want to buy any of the books, the UFO photo, the UFOlogy umbrella, or the UFO encounters up close and personal, they can get those on Amazon or through Philip Mantle on Flying Disc Press. Fantastic. All right, sir. Well, you have a great rest of your evening. Yeah. Bye now. All right. Bye bye. All right, that was super, 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 super. 
I love talking about UFOs and aliens and all that stuff. And he has a lot of information very well. And I just really appreciate him coming on. Anyhow, well, that's the end of my show tonight. And if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And we're just trying to get the word out about our shows. And like I said, if you're, if you, you know, if you're still watching from Facebook tonight, be sure to follow and like this program. Just same thing with YouTube. Go ahead hit that little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner and subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And Instagram. I'm looking to build up my Instagram. So check it out at Ghosty Gal. Anyway, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. we got a great guest lined up. And uh, I hope you're having a great Halloween. So I'm going to close this out. So here we go. And uh, we've got some contact information for you for Jason and his books and uh, Amazon. Here we go. Websites. Jason Gleaves YouTube channel. Ufonly. U-F-O-N-L-Y. And Jason Gleaves Facebook page. And again, the books. UFO Encounters. UFO, the UFOlogy umbrella. And UFO photo. And as he said, they're available on Amazon. Okay, guys, I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great Halloween.